Yeah. This is bad. DJ Nucleus. 8000. Southside. Southside way. Yeah. Yo. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. I used to wanna be like Mike till LeBron came along. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. I used to wanna be like Mike till LeBron came along. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Welcome back. We are here with Jazz Patrol, episode 13 or something like that. Anyway, it's been a while, and we got locks on the line. We're going to talk some fantasy football. It's about halfway through the fantasy regular season, and we're just going to go through all of our uh, favorite things that have happened thus far, our disappointments, our surprises, you know, all the generic fantasy biz. And want to thank Bad OMT for our sweet new theme music, Game on the Line, baby. Isn't that an awesome song? Let's get ready. Three, two, one. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm doing great, bud. How are you doing? Dude, straight chilling, man. Just survived another 30-hour shift. I finally got Red Zone hooked up on my TV so I don't have to watch on my phone anymore. It was a pretty boring day of football, to be honest. Not the sexiest set of games, but still, I'm in a pretty sexy fantasy matchup with Garver right now. I'm up by one go. point. What's the score? Um, it's like 83 to 82 right now, and I have Kirk Cousins going, and he has Danny Amendola and Austin Hooper. I like your odds. Yeah. I I think I'm favored to win by two points, but we'll see how it goes. I'm very much watching all of these games remaining right now to see if I can take the the fresh faces to five and two, and you know keep keep my first place in the division hold going. Yeah, it's not it's not looking so hot for my team. What's going on with your team this week, dude? Well, you know, this week I, I, I may win, I may lose. You know, it's kind of within a few points right now. I've got uh, Julio Jones and Mike Gillisley left. He's done, and I'm down about 22 points. So, you know, there's, there's a shot I win. I'm projected to be a couple points short. We'll see. But, no, just, just you know, that's been a great season. It's been a fantastic season, man. This has been some good football, man. I mean, it, we, has been, it has been good football. I just should have known my fantasy football, football season was not uh, on a good path when coming out of the, the draft. You told me that you thought I had the best draft that that you. Yeah. That, that, that's basically the Sports Illustrated cover, uh, you know, uh, the change. Absolutely. Madden cover, if you will. Whichever cover. Uh, All whichever of the covers. Cover. I think Madden cover is probably right. I, I don't know that the Sports Illustrated cover yeah, I know. I saw Dwight Howard on a Sports Illustrated cover last month, and, you know, that has to be a jinx. That that can't be a good thing if you're on the Sports Illustrated cover, if Dwight Howard is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The, the title was, I don't want anyone to have to go through what I've been through. The Dwight Howard you know, story. I think you could put my fantasy football season on that cover with that same title. It's just... This is true. You know, 941 already locked it up, lost David Johnson. There's been a lot of tragedy in the world. Right for, out for the season. There have been some losses. Chris Carson picked him up. 
off the waiver oh, wire, man. for a couple weeks, done for the season. Chris Carson had such potential. There is so much potential. You know, Lamar Miller on my team, he's going to lose his starting job. You just, just try to survive, though. You know, if I can make it to the playoffs and David Johnson comes back, there's always a chance. This is true. That's why I generally go for stars and scrubs as a strategy, because I figure, like, my team's going to look nothing at the end like it did at the beginning. And you pick up so many of these random guys throughout the season that if you just have guys who are sort of stable commodities who are really, really good at the top of your team, and for me, I believe those are high-end wide receivers for the most part, you're going to do fine. Yeah, I mean, and that's traditional fantasy football. That said, the number one running back is Kareem Hunt, right? Right. It's it's not like it's predictable. When you look at the top running backs, it's Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley are the top three. Chris Thompson is number six. Yeah, not what you would have expected. Le'Veon Bell in there at five. That's a little light, but, you know, he's coming on here in the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, some of the guys who are good have been good. Melvin Gordon's been good. Devontae Freeman's been good. Zeke has been good. But, especially today. Yeah, Zeke was a monster today. But, you know, the very top guys this year are not dudes you could have predicted would be so good. And, yeah, you're right. In receiver, Antonio Brown, number one, but averaging six points fewer a game than Kareem Hunt. And, you know, if you look at the top receivers, actually, like the top four all make sense. Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson. All this is excluding today's numbers because, you know, some of the guys haven't played yet. But, um, like, that makes sense as the top four. Uh, but then the next five or six is a real surprise. you got Devontae Adams, Devon Diggs, who has just exploded, although he's injured right now. Larry Fitzgerald, still alive and crushing it. Uh, and then... You got guys like Chris Hogan and, and then Brandon Cooks has had a nice year so far, but it's a big drop I mean, there's only 10 receivers averaging 10 points a four. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the guys who would typically be drafted super high sort of in like those teens and 20s range, right? Like T.Y. Hilton lower this year, Michael Thomas Mike and Keenan Allen, you know. Yeah, Mike Evans is still up there, but like Tyreek Hill a little bit lower. Amari Cooper not having a great year. Although Des Bryant. this past week exploded for, what, 30 or 31 points? Yeah, Amari Cooper had a crazy week. He's such an odd, hard-to-predict guy, because in the first week he went for, like, 18 or 20 points, and then basically was terrible for five weeks, and now, boom, he's back. Yeah, I mean, the talent is there, but he dropped so many balls, and it seems like they don't throw deep to him very much. It seems like they use him, like, the Raiders' passing offense just isn't that vertical, which I think is a problem. But, the, I mean, the biggest surprise for me is Julio Jones averaging seven points a game. Dude, this is my team. Right there. Right there. Right there. I mean, came out of the draft with Cam Newton, uh, David Johnson, Lamar Miller, Mike Gillisley, 
Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Eifert, Seahawks defense. It's not a bad set, and almost across the board, it's just been uh, disappointing. Yeah. No, I mean... Disappointment or injury. That's because you needed to get that Jags D, man. Number one defense in the league. The Jacksonville oh, Jaguars. Ground and pound and defense. Yeah, Saxonville, as they're now calling it. Look, if you can win a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles, I think parity has gone too far. I like the Jags owner. I like I like everything about the Jags other than their quarterback. <laughs> hey, you know, Marquis Lee come back to the dead. There's 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 stuff emerging there. Not Marquis Lee, uh uh look, no no no, they're um, their tight end. Uh, Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis, not Marquis Lee. Yeah, that's Mar- that's Mercedes with an A. For those of you who aren't familiar with with Mercedes yeah. Lewis, I think we've all picked up Mercedes Lewis in fantasy at one point or another over the last ten years, just for like a week. I rode Mercedes Lewis for a while. You know, in like 2010, he was pretty good. Well, I think that's kind of your point, right? Like that—that's the start construct approach is. You just sort of rotate in the rest of the cast based on what's going on. Yeah, and there, I mean, even in our league, which is a 14-team league, there's always someone on a week-to-week basis worth picking up. Yeah, the challenge in our league is the week-to-week pickups are tough because it's a 14-team league and you only get four bench spots. And so, like, this week, you know, you've got guys, teams are going to run at two, three, four players on five. And so you're, you're sort of trying to juggle to make it happen. Like, I'm, I don't want to drop my punter when we get there. I got, uh, I got the Colts punter, Rodriguez. Oh, he's killing it. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm pretty happy with my punter as well. Jets punter, Lachlan Edwards. He had a few inside, oh, the, nice. inside the 20s this week. He had a high average. My, like, punting and, and DF, DST was how I'm going to beat Garver this week. I got 17 points out of Rams D. With the shutout, and then my punter was just on fire. Yeah, no, I picked up the, uh, I started with the Giants punter, which which I thought was going to be a good approach. It turns out the Giants can never move the ball far enough upfield for him to have a shot to put it inside the 20. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean. So I, I switched over to the Colts punter, Rodriguez Sanchez, or maybe it's Rodriguez Sanchez. Rodriguez Sanchez. Been, he's a solid. That's. That's what I like to hear. That's, I mean, that's the punter strategy. Is you have to have a team that can move the ball but can't actually move the ball that well. Yeah, you want them stalling out at the 50 on, like, every drive. Yeah, exactly. Bor, ideally, the, like, the 40 so that it doesn't hurt your average. Oh, that's true, right. You want it inside the 20 but also long average. Yes. So if you're punting think, from your own 40, that's, like, perfect. I think the punters have been a nice... Nice addition this year. You know, I, my, one of my favorite things that happened during the preseason was you sent the rapid survey uh, to our to our league, uh, asking a, you know a few questions about the potential league rule changes. And one of the pages on the survey monkey form was like, "How many punters should we have? One, two, or three? <laughs> and one of our one of our buddies wrote back and was like, "Dude, you messed up the survey. There's no option for zero." <laughs> And I just didn't I'm like, respond. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that was deliberate. Yeah. I just sure. I just ghosted that email. That's <laughs> uh, right. Like was not was not willing to entertain the idea of having any fewer than one punter. I voted for two punters. 
Yeah, you, you lost, unfortunately. We went, we, the two punters is really tough on the bye weeks. Yes, yes. In a 14-team a 14 league, you're, you're going to be playing without punters sometimes, although it would actually lead to interesting strategy if you had to plan ahead yeah. to make sure like you were picking up guys far enough in advance. Uh, it would be interesting. I, I agree. That's why I'm down. I, I think it would get weird. I think punters, you know, only add to fantasy football. I think everyone out there should use punters in their fantasy league, for the record. Yeah. It's, it's enjoyable. I like it better than the defensive players, although I like the DPs as well. So I have Landon Collins, who makes IDPs fun, because he gets a turnover every single week. But... Generally speaking, I feel like it's a crapshoot, and they're not really very fun. And I don't think we have figured out the scoring system for them well enough yet. What, what, what do you think it should look like? I don't really even know. Like, like I think in like point two points per tackle or something. Instead of instead of like not getting points till you get to five tackles, I think you should get points for every tackle. I think you should get points. I think you should get more points for sacks, more points for turnovers, more points for passes defended. I just think everything should be counting for more to make them at all like worthwhile on your team. Because otherwise, they're useless. Yeah, I, uh, it is interesting because the way we, we changed our big scoring to be uh, decimal points. And for some reason, the only area where that doesn't apply is the tackles. Yeah. I think we and, just haven't changed that rule. But, you know, it's got to consider for next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think IDP scoring is going to be a hot-button issue come next year. Well, we made, I think we've made some healthy changes this year. Now, go from two keepers down to one. I think for those out there that are running two keepers, if you're in an 18 league, maybe a 10-team league, I think you can do that. But in a 12 or a 14... I think you got to drop down to one keeper, and I think you got to make the, the value to keep them escalate because otherwise it does it does get hard. Especially you know when you look at a season like this, where you're going to have so many guys who are breakout rookies. You know, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, those guys as, as breakout rookies. You, you really want to see that uh, uh, that rewarded, but not not for seven years in the future. Yes. No, I mean, that's the problem with keepers, is that they're fun for the person who has the keeper, but they can often be really, really, really unfun for everyone else in the league once they start to become unbalanced. And keepers have a lot of potential to become unbalanced. Uh, most, most definitely they do. So, so who so is the most valuable keeper, you know, of all of those people is... Would you say who is the most undervalued sleeper that now you know this far into the season looks like we all missed and should have gone way earlier? Well, I think it's got to be one of the rookie running backs. Um, and if you sort of think about who is not, I don't think it's, it's Dalvin Cook just because he'll be coming back from injury next year. We don't know how he'll, you know how well he'll what will be back. But, uh, I think it's got to be either Fournette. Um, or Kareem Hunt, and I actually like Fournette better as a back just because he's a big bruiser and he's fun to watch. Uh, I think he's way better than, like, you know, a, a Brandon Jacobs ever was, but I used to love watching him on the Giants just pound through the line. The thing is, this guy's actually got speed as well, but I really enjoy watching him play. 
But I think the Chiefs are more likely to hold up as a quality team next year. And so Kareem Hunt has outperformed so far this year. I think he's going to be on a better squad next year. And so to me, not only is he the top performing back so far, but but if I were sort of looking at it at the end of the season or, or at, at today, as if it were the end of the season, he'd be the one I'd want to hang on to. Fair enough. I mean, you're not excited about the Jacoby Brissett Jaguars next year? Uh, he, that's an interesting keeper choice. I think if you're going quarterback keeper, it's you know, really two guys, Deshaun Watson and Alex Smith, and I just I can't condone anyone keeping Alex Smith. No, and I was implying that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the starting quarterback for the Jaguars next year. I see. Not that you would keep him from the Colts to the Jaguars. No. No, so so for me, the answer has to be Deshaun Watson because people were drafting Fournette and drafting Kareem Hunt in the mid-rounds, right? Like, they weren't slipping. They were both probably borderline top 20 running backs, if not top 20 running backs, whereas Deshaun Watson was, like, getting drafted as a super late-round flyer or not being drafted at all. He wasn't even projected to start at the beginning of the season. He wasn't, he wasn't drafted in our league, and I picked him up after week three yeah. um, for like 17 bucks, and he has just continued to kill it. Uh, that's the, the bright spot in my, uh, in my team is Sean Watson. Yeah, I have him in, the other, in my other league, in my Wake Forest league, and he is just an absolute game changer and so much keeper potential. And when you watch it, he passes the eye test. I think he's really, really good. Yeah, it's, uh, I think the only question there and the reason I maybe like the running backs better is just because the marginal value of the top running backs versus the marginal value of Deshaun Watson over, like, you know, QB 10. Yes. It's just, it's just much stronger if you're looking at the running backs, right? Cause no, of Kareem course. Hunt, Kareem Hunt's averaging, uh, I think, 20 points per game so far in our, in our league, yeah. right? And then if we look at the QBs, Deshaun Watson's at, I think, 23 points per game. And then if you go down to number 10, just pulling it up here, you're looking at number 10 would be Kirk Cousins at 19. Uh, Cousins is 9. So Cousins is at 19 and a half. Yeah, so I'm sorted by... Number 10, yeah. which is Stafford, but still. Yeah, I'm sorted by average. You're sorted by total. And number 10 by average is... Actually, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, So, you know, that drop-off is four or five points. And even if you roll down to number 14, right, you're at Drew Brees at, like, 17 and a half points. Yeah. Like, it's just the the difference there between, you know, number one and number 10 versus, you know, Kareem Hunt versus the number 10 running back. You're 20 points versus 14 and if you roll down to the 14th running back, you're, you're all the way down to nine points per game or maybe 10 points per game. It's true. I mean, it's a massive difference. So, now, there was a Chiefs running back injury, though, right? So, who was their original starter? Spencer Ware was supposed to be their starter, but it was going to be a timeshare with Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. And then Spencer Ware got injured, and now the rest is history. So it's not one of these situations, though, where, like, for example, I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to hold up and perform nearly at the level that he did last week for, for the uh, the Cardinals for Agreed. the rest of the season. 
But, but even if he did, I think David Johnson comes back and is the clear starter again. Yes. Maybe that's just me hoping because I have him on my team, but I, but I think so. Uh, but there's no risk of that with Spencer Ware. Kareem Hunt can continue to own this position even when Ware's back. Exactly. I, so, I mean, I think he's done enough to earn the starting job. I don't think there's even a question at this point. So who's been your, your sort of running back disappointment, your biggest running back disappointment? I, I tend to exclude injuries there, right? Like, to me, David Johnson, I guess in a vacuum is the answer, but that's not really his fault, right? So of the guys who have not had injuries, who, who do you think is the biggest sort of, maybe not bust, but disappointment so far? I think it's probably Ajayi is my is my number one. I feel like Ajayi, like, had potential to be a top five back. He really showed a lot of flashes last year. I just thought Miami's offense would be better. I didn't think Jay Cutler would be terrible. And I actually think that Ajayi might perk up if Matt Moore gets the starting job and we start to see some, you know, some improvement on the offensive end from the Dolphins because I think they have talent on their offensive line. And I think he's a good player, but, you know, he is currently ranked all the way down as running back 32 and was drafted in the top eight. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a, a, big, uh, a big drop-off for sure. Yeah, I think DeMarco Murray's been disappointing too. Yeah, he has been as well, although Derrick Henry in the week he's been gone has been solid. So I think, I think Ajayi is a good answer as to, uh, you know, of the of the highly drafted running backs, who's the, the biggest non-injury disappointment so far. But I think what I'm hearing you say is he, for you, is a, uh, is a buy-low candidate. Yeah, no, he's definitely a buy-low candidate, whereas for me, DeMarco Murray's been disappointed, but it, disappointing, but is not a buy-low candidate. Because what's wrong with DeMarco Murray is that he's just in way more of a timeshare than I realized. Like, I didn't yeah. think that that Derrick Henry would be getting this much burn, and it really is 50-50. Whereas Ajayi is on a team that I think their their offense isn't as bad as it's been. It's been really bad, and I think it has potential to be average, and I think they have potential to, to feed him the ball more and for him to start and start to really perform. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a fair take. So who's your who's your sell high candidate right now? Um, other, amongst the amongst the, the running backs. I mean, other than Chris Thompson, who you know <laughs> is just having an unsustainable season so far. Yeah. Uh, Gurley. Why Gurley? Just because I think that the Rams' offense is going to come back to earth, and I feel like he's been a little touchdown dependent. And I just don't see it. I, I think that Gurley is not a top three running back. I know that the talent is there, and I know the Rams beefed up their O line, and Goff took steps forward. But I just don't. I just have trouble seeing Gurley finishing the season as running back one, two, or three. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think my answer, and he's not in the top ten right now, but he's number eleven, would be Lamar Miller. Uh, and he's on my team, so uh, for those of you listening, I, I may try to trade you. Uh, but uh, he's been he's been good in the past few weeks. As Deshaun Watson's picked it up, but I just worry about Dante Foreman, who's uh, who's behind him uh, on the depth chart, starting to take more and more share. He's got a lot of bursts. Lamar 
Lamar Miller starts to get a little older, maybe doesn't have that kind of burst anymore. Uh, I think he'll be a solid player for the rest of the season, but I think we could see his touches come off a bit. So I was more worried about that at the beginning of the year, and I feel like Dante Foreman actually hasn't taken as much of a share as I kind of expected because Lamar Miller started the season really poorly and has actually sort of, I think, picked it up over the past few weeks. Yeah, I guess the question is, will that hold, right? And and I don't know. I mean, Foreman has had – it's interesting. He's more of a boomer bust on every single time he touches the ball, right? Like Lamar Miller is the more steady, consistent back. Foreman's the one who's going to rip off these 40, 50-yard bursts. But then also, I think, really, you know, maybe struggle when you need four or five yards to necessarily deliver. So it's uh, that's probably why they're continuing to give the ball to Miller, right? The, the steadier presence and use Foreman as sort of your change of pace back a little. Yeah, and I just don't know exactly what Foreman's role in the NFL is because I don't think that he's a bruiser and I don't think that he's shifty. I think he's an every down back, sort of stuck behind another every down back. And so he's not just getting those built-in third down touches or really having an opportunity to show himself other than to give Lamar Miller a rest. They just sort of fill the same lane, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the plus side is, the reason to be excited about Miller is as long as Deshaun Watson's moving the ball as well as he is, then that's going to open up running lanes for Lamar Miller, which is part of why I think he's picked up in, in the last two games. Um... And it should create some touchdown opportunities, which which I think is positive. So, to be clear, I'm not down on him, but uh, maybe it's just my virtue of how my season's gone. I'm a little skeptical yeah. about his continued performance. I mean, if you want to trade me Lamar Miller, step into my office. I'll I'll come up with something. We'll, we'll take that one offline. There might be something to do there. Yeah, there might there might be. Running back is where I need to make moves, and I I have depth, but I could use a I could use a higher end guy right now. To be determined. So, so what about, uh, we talked about receiver bust, and it's got to be Julio Jones, right? I mean, I think uh, that's the clear answer. Yeah, OBJ is out with an injury for what looks like the rest of the season, but putting aside week one actually had a nice performance so far. Um, any other big busts in your mind on the receiver front? I mean, I would say I haven't really enjoyed the Des Bryant experience thus far this year. Like he's ranked as 24th among wide receivers. And we're talking about a team that has Dak Prescott as a top three quarterback in fantasy. Dak Prescott is QB number three in fantasy. And his number one receiver is ranked 24th. So they have a great running back too, right? So, so that should open up even more lanes for Des with Zeke in there. You know, barring the suspension coming down the pipe again at some point. And uh, you're right. I think he's a disappointment. I just don't think he looks the same, right? Like, I thought of him as, like, a borderline A.J. Green-level talent, you know, a couple of years ago, where he was in that Julio Jones, A.J. Green class of, like, mega superstar monster receivers. And he's just not that guy anymore. He's really like a third-tier receiver. You know, talent-wise, I think Mike Evans is better. DeAndre Hopkins is better. You know, even, you know, people like Tyreek Hill, you know, T.Y. Hilton are probably more talented than Des Bryant at this point. 
disappointing because he's not really a speedster and he's not using his physical size as well as you hope. And uh, yeah, I agree. So, so same question on him: Would you buy or buy or sell if you had him? You know, he's number twenty-four right now. He's sort of fast forward to the end of the season. Do you think he's? Do you think he's at above below? Do you think he over the under? I buy him. I buy him just based on regression to his expected outcome, which I think is higher than what it is. I think that Zeke or I think that Zeke might end up being suspended. I think that there's, you know, a chance Dak spreads it around a little less or spreads it more in Des Bryant's way. I think he's gonna improve. I don't think he's gonna end up a top ten receiver, but I think Des is gonna improve. I would buy Des. I think I think he could be close to top ten for the second half of the season, right? Which would probably end up putting him on the season in you know like the fifteen sixteen range, which which feels better for where he should be. Yeah, that feels about so what, right for him. What do you do if you own Amari Cooper? You start him every week. You hope for the best. <laughs> you trying to trade him, hold him. You think you can get value trading him? I don't think you can get value trading him. I think it's worth a try. I don't love the Raiders as a team or as an offense. I think that Derek Carr is overrated. I think the line is overrated. I think the running game is overrated. But I think that, you know, he is a sort of must-start fantasy receiver in deep leagues. I think in, in a team where or in a league where you're, you know, starting, you know, the 20 to 30 best wide receivers in the NFL, he's one of them. He's a must-start. Oh, sure. and, and would you rather have him or Crabtree right now? Crabtree. Yeah, coming into this week, right, Crabtree's averaged 10 points a game, and uh, and Cooper has been all the way down at, like, I don't know, 6, 8 points a game. Big drop-off. Yeah, no, very much a big drop-off. And I think that Carr just looks for Crabtree and trust Crabtree more. I think Crabtree is more of a possession receiver. He doesn't run the deep routes, but he looks for him more in the red zone and he just gets more catches. Yeah, I think that's probably the right take. Although I suppose if I had both of them on my team and I were projected to be the loser in any given week, I would start Cooper because I think there's more upside there, right? He's more the high red high reward player. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing variants, I agree. You play Cooper. So let's talk tight ends. Ooh, tight ends. The the disappointing position. Continues to be not a lot to be excited about there. Even some of the guys who were looking really strong, like a Charles Clay, through uh, the first, I think it was four or five games of the season, dating back to the last two games of the last season, he had like six game, six touchdowns in seven games, and was a you know consistent player out with an injury. Um, you know you got guys like Tyler Eifert out. The top three or four, not altogether surprising, right? Gronkowski at the top. Um, Zach Ertz a bit of a surprise, finally showing up after years of people being excited and and not delivering. I, I think he's finally starting to play uh, up to some of his physical abilities. Yeah. I mean, tight end number two or number three, you know, right now, depending on how you're grading, you know, really been an impressive year. And I think he's Wentz's favorite target, you know, and Wentz is good. The team's good. They're getting a lot of red zone opportunities. Zach Ertz is going to keep producing, in my opinion. So then talk to me about Zach Ertz. Um, you 
great. Uh, finally, O.J. Howard had a, a bit of a breakout there for the Bucks today, going for close to 100 yards and two touchdowns. Um, today, he's been sort of silent. Uh, while Cameron Brady, the Harvard product, has been the one you want to own. What do you think happens with the two of those guys for the rest of the season? I expect to see more Howard and less Braid as the season goes on, just because I think the talent is so different. I think Braid's a good player. I think Braid, you know, benefits more than anything from getting so many red zone looks. And I think those red zone looks are going to start more and more going towards Howard as he develops rapport with Winston. And I think that Braid also was benefiting from red zone looks while Doug Martin was out. And I think having a reliable running back in, to use in the red zone is going to take some looks away because Brait's yeah, not a yardage guy. Yeah, he is. And, and I do think Mike Evans is going to start to get some of those again as well. Evans so far through the season is about receiver number 15, give or take a little higher on an average basis than on a point basis because he didn't play. They had their bye week one. But, um, yeah. but, but I think Evans is going to take some more of those touchdowns along with Doug Martin. So I think I'm, I'm selling on Brady. The question is, you know, what are you bidding for Howard this week? Uh, uh, or what are you willing to trade for Howard? So I wouldn't jump on Howard yet. I think it's still early. I think he's still going to be really boom or bust. I think it's still going to be a thing where he's not getting, you know, seven targets a game for quite a while. I think eventually he'll get there. But I still don't want Howard. I, I'll let someone else take the risk on Howard. I'd rather take the risk on, you know, Hunter Henry, someone like that. Yeah, Hunter Henry, who I picked up and dropped, I think uh, seems like he's finally taken the torch from, my, uh, from Antonio Gates. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. They use Gates mostly as a blocking tight end now. Yeah, I think there'll still be a couple of weeks here where he surprises us and, you know, goes for six catches and 70 yards and two TDs. You know, he's still got, he's got that old man game. He does have um, that old man game. But he's game. a great blocker. He can still run routes well. He doesn't have the same physicality. But I, but I think there's going to be a few weeks here still where he surprises us. I feel that. Absolutely. I mean... Tight end is just a ragged position. You know who I was going to say is my favorite sleeper who has turned out other than Deshaun Watson? Evan Ingram. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, had another nice game today, even for the disappointing Giants. I think he dropped 12 points, like 60 yards, two catches, something like that, touchdown. He might uh, end up as tight end number like one through three. I just think there's a there's a lot there with Evan Ingram. He's talented, I mean, he, and he's their number one target right now. Yeah, and I think even when he comes back, uh, when, when Odell Beckham comes back next year, if you think about Ingram as a, a keeper, and he could be, right, you know, depending yeah. on who else you have on your team, I think even when Odell Beckham comes back, uh, Ingram should should maybe even pick up in value, right? He should get more scoring opportunities with Odell Beckham back. Beckham should get more attention. I, I, I think that actually plays well for him even when OBJ back. I agree, man. Like, I, I just think that this is a talented guy who's getting so many looks in their offense, who they look at at the red zone. He's a big target. And, you know, he's going to work out. And, yes, more Odell Beckham means more red zone opportunities. 
and less coverage, less double coverage, less, you know, attention being focused on you because right now he's the focal point of the offense and maybe that's above his pay grade, but being the second banana in the offense is probably below his pay grade. And, and do you think uh, Eli's throwing to him next year? Maybe Eli is quarterbacking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting. Coughlin's there. He likes Eli. Reunited. Any other take behind it? What did you say? Any, any other rationale behind that take? That the Jags are a quarterback away, and, you know, they could really contend, actually, with this team if they, you know, got a quarterback. They still might make the playoffs. Oh, I think they will. They, they probably will make the playoffs, even, even with Bortles. But I don't know if you're a quarterback away if Eli is the answer at this point in his career. Yeah, but, you know, Eli is still, like, the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. And we're talking about, you know, the Jags, who have the 31st best quarterback in the NFL. Like, I would rather have C.J. Beathard than Blake Bortles. you're the Giants, you figure you just bought him out and trade him? Yeah. Why not? What do you have to lose, man? Uh, well, you got to try to keep, uh, I guess, Odell happy for uh, for a few years while you're getting the, the next guy. But, you know, if you end up being second or third or fourth worst team in the league, you could have the opportunity to draft your next quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I think the Giants should be drafting quarterback this year. I think I think it's time. I think they're going to get themselves a high enough pick that they should be doing it. And I think they still have talent to be okay. So I think that this is the year for them to do it and to sort of create a smooth transition after Eli. Well, it's also kind of a good time to do it because if you look at the rest of the, the, the division right now, they're pretty darn strong, right? It's going to be tough for the Giants to make the playoffs, I think, for another couple of years with how well Philadelphia is playing and the talent that they have, uh, you know, between, between West, strong defense, uh, reasonably effective running game, and surprisingly good receivers. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then the Cowboys certainly with Dak, he can maybe a reemergence as Ryan uh, And then even, you know, even, even the, the Washington football team, you know, I, they'll probably put Cousins on a franchise tag again. And uh, they have enough skill there that, that I think it's a tough division to excel in. So maybe you're right. It is the right time for the Giants to try to go quarterback round one. I think they got to get more offensive line help again probably in the next couple of rounds. Uh, and then maybe round out the defense a little bit with some, uh, some upside guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth. But, but, yeah, it might be time. Yeah. I mean, I think that defense is fine. And really, you know, the, the receiving core is fine. And they have a tight end now. But I think at some point you have to pull a trigger on a quarterback. This draft is quarterback heavy. You know, you have Darnold and Rosen and that guy from North Dakota. You have like all of these dudes. It's like a four quarterbacks in the first round kind of draft where I think that that's what they should be looking at. Even if they're not getting the number one overall pick, they're probably going to be getting a top eight pick. They picked up a running back this year, I think, in the second round, uh, who, uh, who maybe maybe starts to deliver a little bit when you finally have a line in place. So I think that's a reasonable approach for them. Disappointing season as a Giants fan. 
Yeah, no, understandable. I didn't see this coming. I thought the Giants were going to be really good. And the defense has been, you know, only mildly disappointing. But man, the offense, other than the Ravens offense, is probably the most disappointing in the NFL. So what about defenses? What do you what do you think? You know, number one is the Jags D. We're looking at Jags, Lions, Ravens, Rams, Saints, Bills, Steelers, Seahawks, Texans, Bengals, Eagles, Redskins, Broncos are your like top thirteen defenses. Yeah, not necessarily what you would have expected here coming into the season on the defensive front, right? Not so much. I mean, I feel like everyone probably had Seattle and Denver and then maybe Minnesota as their top three. But And Minnesota's not even on that list, right? No. I mean, Minnesota is an interesting case where in terms of actual, like, real-life scoring defense, they're very, very good, but they don't force turnovers, and they're not scoring touchdowns. I think they've been disappointing. I think the Seahawks, while good, have been disappointing. The Texans have been a bummer. Uh, the loss of Watt certainly doesn't help there. I mean, they're still a very good defense, but relative to what we would have expected coming into the season. But yeah, the Jags have to be the biggest surprise. They just have a great secondary, man. Jalen Ramsey, and they have a great pass rush, man. Welcome to Saxonville. Dante Fowler Jr., all these guys that they drafted a couple of years ago. Calais Campbell, that was a really good offseason signing. Like, they deserve credit for that. Shad Khan, man, calling out Trump. Yeah, I like Shad Khan. He has a great mustache. Maybe one of the few owners in the NFL who, who, you know, is uh, more like what uh, he is closer to what he presents himself as. Yeah. I mean, I bet he's a weird dude. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's a weird dude. He chose to <laughs> put hot tubs in. in three years and we're all going to go, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, he, he there there might be some weird stuff in Shad Khan's past that'll come out relatively soon that he'll be writing apology letters to the New York Times for. But, you know, it happens. What, what about what about the Steelers hanging in there? They've got the, uh, the younger and surprisingly strong T.J. Watt. I like TJ Watt. James Harrison to start the season, but but Harrison getting a little playing time again now as well. They get to the quarterback, man. Like they, Dupree is good. Ryan Shazier is good. Like they're a talented team. They're legit. And the weirdest one on the list to me has to be the Saints, right? The Saints, Ballhawks, man. They drafted Marshawn Lattimore in the first round. And he has performed for them. He might be defensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. Kenny Vaccaro's been solid as well on the other side. Yeah. And then Cameron Jordan's nasty. Like, they they just have, like, more talent than they've had in recent years. And I don't know if they made a coordinator change or they've had an easy schedule. I guess they played the Dolphins. They've played, you know, some maybe weaker offenses. But they have been legitimately a powerhouse on defense. You know, it's been awesome. Yeah, and, and they've been interesting, too, because they certainly would have been a sell, a sell candidate after, uh, or seems like a sell candidate after a couple weeks of the season. Right? I mean, out of the gate, they gave up, I don't know, 45 points and 38 points, some huge numbers the first two weeks of the season. I'm still selling them, man. I'm still, still selling. 
still selling. They, it's unsustainable that the Saints are going to be the number six defense in the NFL in fantasy. I just don't believe in it. I can't. I I can't fathom it. Even if it's been the case so far, it's just not happening. So what do we got? We got punters left. I mean, if you want, if you want to talk punters, we can talk about buy low defenses. And for me, it would be the Vikings. The Vikings or the Dolphins are probably my buy low defenses. I also like the Chargers. I think the Chargers D is good. Yeah, they got a decent pass rush. Joey Bosa continues to play well. A couple other guys up front there that are solid. Melvin Ingram. Uh, Melvin Ingram. Did you? Yeah. So you were in the car, but Melvin Ingram absolutely destroyed Trevor Simeon today in what was a totally legal hit. Like, there was no question this was not a personal foul, but because he destroyed him so brutally, the ref called a personal foul, just, like, out of sympathy for Trevor Simeon. Yeah, one of those calls. Yeah, like, he tackled him at waist level, but it was, like, him tackling him at, like, full sprint, like, spearing him at full sprint. He just annihilated Trevor Simeon, (laughs) and the flag was totally inexplicable. But, but you almost don't even blame the ref. No, because it was it, he just murdered him. Like it was, yeah. yeah. Like I understand exactly why he threw the flag, even though there was absolutely no rule remotely broken. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, punters, man. Number so coming in, coming in, you had your 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 eye on one guy in particular coming into the season. Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker, but Johnny's all the way down at number 10. Yeah, you know, what What can I say? Johnny Hecker's been a, a major disappointment this year. There's a lot of fans out there who are really upset with how high they dropped it. Yeah, really disappointing that Johnny Hecker has been underperforming like this. Almost unforgivable. Yeah, I think if you look at the punters, the guy who's really performed exactly as expected is, is King for over. Yeah, it's great number to see Marquette King doing that. Number two punter right now. On, on exactly where you would have thought coming into the season. Yeah, averaging eight points a week. You know, that's like those are RB two flex numbers for Marquette King. <laughs> and yeah, no, I'm seeing it's so for the record, it is Rigoberto Sanchez. Who, oh, thank you. I'm, I apologize that I got that wrong. Who is slightly better than my punter, Lachlan Edwards, which sounds like yeah. a hot girl. <laughs> the punters have been a good addition. Yes, absolutely. Well, any final thoughts on fantasy this year? Uh, you know, I think we'll, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't have much, you know. I just uh, encourage everybody to keep working the waiver wire. There's always a chance. There's always a chance, man. I got a, I got a G a G chat from from Shide earlier this week after his 0-4 start, saying that he thinks he's going to make playoffs. In fairness to him, I think he had the second most points for uh, after four weeks and was 0-4. So that's just that's a tough break. These things happen, man. So, yeah, no, he, Shide thinks he's rallying. There's always a chance in fantasy. The season isn't over. We're only seven weeks in. Go out there and win your league, guys. You got this. I think we've done it. I think we've done it too, man. Awesome pod. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. My apologies about the sound quality, but Locks was on the drive from D.C. back to Boston, so a little bit of a car audio situation going on. Thank you for bearing with me. You're very, very patient and thoughtful for doing so. But anyway, I want to break it down with uh, DJ Nucleus and Bad OMT's hit, Game on the Line, a.k.a. the LeBron song here to, to close out the podcast, our new official theme music on Chaz Patrol. Next episode, I'll go into the story behind the story of Bad OMT. So enjoy the classic right here, guys. Yeah, this is bad. DJ Nucleus, 8000, Southside, Southside Way. Yeah. Yeah. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. I used to wanna be like Mike till LeBron came along. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. When the game on the line, pass it to LeBron. I used to wanna be like Mike till LeBron came along. 